If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me today to the book of Luke, the 24th chapter. If you do not have a Bible along with you, that's perfectly fine because here in just a moment, you will see the verses displayed on the screen behind me and you can follow along right there. Or you can look it up on maybe your smart device on your phone or iPad or whatever you have if you have a Bible app there and follow along with us. I'll be reading out of the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, and I'm going to read several verses of Scripture, so stay with me for a little while here. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now, if you're not really uh, up on what was happening here, don't worry about it because I'm going to take a few minutes in a moment to come back and explain the setting and what, what was going on. So it says, And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? So what we have transpiring here is several women going to the tomb where Jesus was buried, And they were going there after the Sabbath to honor Him in a way in His burial with various spices and things of that nature. When they got there, things were not as they expected. When they got to the tomb, the stone that had been covering the mouth of the grave was rolled away. The stone was was gone. And they were... The Bible said they were perplexed. They were trying to figure this out. What what has happened here? And right close to where they were, there were two men that stood by in what the Bible said was shining garments or shining apparel, almost in angelic form there by uh, the open door. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth and they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead. So the question was asked to these women, why are you here seeking in a place of death someone who is alive? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, they said, but is risen. And he said, remember, they said, do you remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. When they said this, the Bible tells us they remembered His words. Oh yes, He did say that. He did say that in three days He would rise again. Oh, okay, we get it now. That's what has happened. We came here thinking He was still in the grave but like he said, he's not dead in this grave, but he is, he's alive. They remembered the words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. So they leave the tomb and they go back to the disciples of the Lord and they tell 
those men, hey, Jesus is alive. He's alive. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. So they come back in excitement saying, Jesus isn't there. He is alive. You can imagine how enthused, how excited, overwhelmed that they were and they're communicating it now to the Lord's disciples. And notice what verse 11 says. And their words seem to them as idle tales. So they're excited about what just happened. They go back to the disciples to encourage them. He is alive. And when they tell them He's alive, their words seem like idle tales. And they believed them not. It's like there, there's no way. There is no way. Now, by definition, idle here in this, in this text is useless. And tales are, it's defined as stories. So, what was happening was it sounded like useless stories. When they said... We went, hey, we we got up early, we were headed down there, we got everything together, we were going to honor Him in His burial, we were taking spices, we were taking the things that we couldn't do yesterday because it was Sabbath, and we were going there, it was a crazy mess a few days ago, we're trying to get this right, when we got there, you're not going to believe this, the stone, that huge stone, the big stone, now, if you live with four women like I do, then you can only imagine all of them were talking at the same time. (laughs) And they were all telling their version of the story, the same story. Oh, but did you see that when we first came up? Oh, we were going up the trail. I just felt like something was going to be different. Oh, but when I got there, I noticed from a long way off that there was something. The the stone really wasn't. And I was thinking that it was this. Well, I saw it. from, and, 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 And the disciples, they were all men, and they were probably like me going, Okay, okay, listen. (laughs) Somebody, please. Can we just all talk one at a time? Can can we just all get on the same page? They were all telling this story. And the disciples are standing there, David, like this. Useless stories. Now, i got to be honest with you. I don't think any of my four are in here right now. Sometimes that's the way it is for me. <laughs> it's like, just another story. Daddy, you know what? You've got to see this outfit. i got this outfit for Easter. Oh, I'm like, uh, 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 and, and everybody in the car is talking at the same time. And it's like, uh, 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 okay, who do I listen to? What is this story about? And, and every once in a while, I'm going to be honest, every once in a while, I just kind of tune it out. And I don't even... And my wife will say, you didn't hear anything we were saying. And I heard that. Oh, yes, I heard, I heard you. I, I heard that. I heard that phrase. You didn't hear anything we were saying. And then strategically, I go back and pick out two or three words out of all that. And when I just use those two or three words, they think I heard everything. But I really didn't because it was kind of all just tuned out for a little while. The Bible said that the disciples heard what they were saying, and it seemed like idle tales or useless stories. Just 
another story. And, and the Scripture said they didn't even believe Him. They, they believed them not. Then Peter, one of them here in this reference from Luke, he got up and he ran to the sepulcher. He had to go see for himself. And as he gets there, he stoops down and he sees, beheld, the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed. He, he goes to the tomb. He looks in and all he sees is the grave clothes, if you will, of what Jesus was wearing the last time He was seen and put in there. And he's thinking, the clothes, the clothes are there, but He's not there. And the Bible said, He departed wondering in Himself at that which was to come to pass. He left thinking, okay, what is going to happen now? What is going to take place next? He was in that moment thinking about what would come or what was to come. If he just got up and he left this place, then what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And, and so today I want to talk to you for just a little while from this text and, and especially that 11th verse that talks about it seemed like idle tales to them. I want to talk to you about overcoming the fairy tale. Overcoming the fairy tale. Now, uh, you know, like, like I know, that sometimes what people share with us and what people tell us is just in our mind a made-up story. It's, it's a fable. It's a part of legend. It's a... Uh, an old wives' tale, they would say, or or it's something that it's a it's a nursery rhyme. It's it's mother goose. It's this. It's that. It's just part of our culture, but there's no fact in it. There's no evidence in it. There's no validity that an old woman lived in a shoe and had, you know what I'm talking about. We we hear this jack guy and a in a beanstalk and we hear about a cow that jumped over the moon and a fork that ran away with a spoon and we grow up with nursery rhymes and we grow up with these stories, we grow up with these fables, we grow up with all of these things and it's easy to take something as factual as the story we're talking about today and put it over in the category of a fairy tale. And, and if you imagine with me for a moment, that's what was happening to the disciples when these women show up saying, we were there, we saw it there, he's not there, Jesus is gone, we took all of our stuff, we didn't need all of our stuff, and you got to hear this, he's alive, and they came back to tell us, and they had shining garments, and it was two men, I don't know where they came from, but we bowed down in front of them, and I felt like I needed, and, and they're like, oh, okay, great story, but I don't believe a word of it. And we can take this incredible event and put it in that category of, it's just another story. I like it. It's enjoyable. I've heard it my whole life. But, come on. He didn't get up. It's just legend. It's just another 
story. Well, I know that, that it's easy to, to be there and think like, that's too good to be true. We, we all find ourselves at times in life when people bring to us an answer and, and we think, that's too good to be true. Are, are you kidding me? Really? Just one decision or one act or one whatever it may be and all of this stuff that I'm, that I'm going through can, can change. Well, if you'll give me a moment, I want to go back and just, like I said earlier, kind of build the context of what was transpiring here leading up to those women uh, headed toward the tomb that morning. Now, the events of the previous few days for the disciples, it was an overwhelming 72 hours plus. <laughs> it was, if you, if you understand it, then you can kind of look at their response and realize their nonchalant, I'm not as excited, I'm not going to just buy into this, uh, great, high five, thanks for coming and telling us. Uh, you can understand their response if you go back and look at what these men had been through the previous few days. Everything that they were living for, everything that they had built their lives on, all of the investment and stock, if you will, had been put into this man and his message and what he represented, and they were completely sold out, bought in, following Him day in, day out, had, had forsook their careers. They had walked away from their vocations. Many of them had left family and friends and everything behind. And for three and a half years, they had devoted their time, their energy, their resources, their talent, everything to this man, His cause, His message, His vision, everything about Him, and just like that, it was all stripped from them. And they were feeling like it was a mistake to even join up three years ago. Imagine for a moment the conversations that some of these men had with their families when they went home and said, you know what? I met a guy today, and he said, come follow me. And so, I just wanted to let you know, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> um, I don't know how long I'm going to be gone. <laughs> Throw a few things in a bag for me. I'll get back when I can. Imagine three and a half years prior family members saying, have you lost your mind? Do I need to get you an appointment with somebody who can talk to you? Do you need to talk to somebody? Are you serious? You, you've invested? You're going to take the family business and put it on pause? You're, you're gonna, and, and you don't know how long this is going to be? All you heard was, follow me? And, and you're, what, what did you eat last night? Who have you been hanging out with? What, what part of this side of your personality have you hidden from me? They went through those things 
and they faced their families and their friends and people that knew them and they went out on a limb saying, he said, follow me. And for some reason, I feel good about this. (laughs) Okay. And for three years, they've been like vagabonds. Okay. Men with careers. Men that had a vocation. Men with lives settled and everything together do not know from day to day where they're going to eat, where they're going to travel, where they're going to sleep, who they're going to talk with. And for the last 42 months or however long, they've been living this way, believing in this man and his message. And just like that, they saw it all stripped away. In their mind, they have the image of him hanging between two thieves. They have the image of him being accused of things that they knew themselves had not transpired. They saw him set up, mocked, stripped, abused, beaten. They saw his body... (laughs) Broken, thorns crammed down into his scalp, strung up on a tree between two common thieves. They they see him nailed there, fastened there, a spear run into his side, blood and water. They saw people feed him vinegar instead of what they see him mocked they see him criticized this is this is who they had devoted their lives to and now all of a sudden he's gone and the last memory they have is his body being taken down and put in a borrowed tomb of a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea And his body is laid in a borrowed tomb, broken, bloody, stripped, reputation, image, everything now in question. And they're overwhelmed. And they're trying to figure out, how how do we get started again? What, What do we go home? Do we connect with our family? How do we answer all these questions? What's going to happen to us next? And these women show up and say, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, you cannot believe this. We were there and he's alive. And they're like. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Here's, here's, here's what they thought. They thought Jesus was here to establish an earthly kingdom. They thought he was here to establish something that was fit in the brackets of time. They thought he was about leading a revolt and an uprising against the Roman government of the day because there was much political rest and unrest and they were the ones who were suffering under the brunt of most of the aggression 
And in their mind, they are thinking, we finally have a leader. We finally have someone who's bold enough. We finally have someone that has attention and has a crowd. And and we are going to overthrow the government. And we are finally going to get our recognition. Our name will, will be in places where it needs to be. No longer overrun, looked down on, controlled. We will finally be a people of our own and have our own place and he's a guy that's going to lead the charge and make it happen and they're rallying behind that and they have no clue that that's not what he was about that his kingdom was not of this world but he was coming to establish something beyond the brackets of time he was going to establish something that would inhabit eternity. All of eternity. And his effort and his life and his sacrifice was about making something greater than a temporary fix possible for them. He was about making something eternal reality for them. And because they were just looking at the moment, they couldn't see it, and it sounded like hickory dickory dock. The mouse went up the clock. The clock, you you know, they're literally caught up in a nursery rhyme. They're caught up in a fairy tale. They're caught up in just thinking that this really isn't True, and somehow it can't be the way it is. And no doubt their assumptions, when you put it all together, you can see why they were so confused and why they just didn't believe it. And they were having trouble grasping what these women were saying when they said, hey, He is alive. He has risen. And and I've got to tell you that that... It's easy for all of us to get there. Let me tell you how you get there. You get there as soon as a storm comes into your life that you weren't expecting. You get there when trouble shows up at your door that you had no idea was about to ring the bell. <laughs> Knock on. You, 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 you get there when out of the blue things began to happen that you you weren't planning for. It's not the way you thought it should go. It's not what you had put together for your life and your tomorrow. It's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be working out in your family. That's not what's supposed to happen with my loved one. That's not what I was thinking about in my career. That's not what it is. My I'm, I have what? What the doctor found? What are that's everything starts changing and when everything starts changing that you were invested in and believing in and holding on to and building your life on when those things start changing it's easy to only see what's transpiring in the now and forget that there's a much bigger picture there's a much bigger picture and so When people say, hey, I know a way out. Hey, I have an answer. Hey, I know that things can change. Hey, I believe. You look at them 
Like I have many times in my life. And your eyes are glazed over. And your brain is shut down. And your body's exhausted. And you're thinking, blah, 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 blah. It's going in one ear and straight out the other. Because you're the one just trying to keep your head above water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's where they were. That's... It was idle tales. These were the guys, please, for a moment. These were the guys that watched him walk on water. These were the guys that heard him say in the midst of the storm, standing on the bow of the boat, peace be still, and the wind stops, and the waves lay down, and the trouble therein comes to, it ceases, it stops. These were the guys standing there when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man dead four days gets up and walks out of a tomb when his own sisters were saying, don't do it, God, he stinks. I mean, by this time, he's bad. He reeks. He's rank. Don't do it. (laughs) Lazarus. These were the guys that watched Lazarus waddle out of there in grave clothes and say to someone, hey, loose him and set him free. These were the guys standing there that came back to him. Lord, I know you said, you said we need to feed all these people and there's, there's like thousands here and uh, we can't get enough food and where's the money coming from? And, and you know, all the fast food restaurants are closed. I mean, it's Sunday, Chick-fil-A's not open. We can't, we can't get what we need. And he's like, okay. Someone says, but, but Lord, I mean, don't hate on me. Here's a little boy's lunch. I mean, there's a Happy Meal, <laughs> fish filet, whatever, some fish and bread. Here, here you go. And he said, okay, have the people sit down. Let's get this together. Watch and learn. Watch and learn, grasshopper. <laughs> and he starts taking all these. This little boy's lunch that he picked up on the way out of the house. Tuna and crackers. I mean, it's a can of tuna and crackers. Water, not oil. I mean, it's a whole deal. He's sitting there and he's like, here he starts passing it out. And he feeds a multitude with the little boy's lunch. And then he tells them after everybody has eaten and everybody is fed and everybody's full, he says, okay, go out there and collect what's left. And what they gathered was more than what he started with. There were baskets left over. These were the same guys, the same ones that had been there through that whole time. And now life is so hard. So hear me. It doesn't matter what your past is or how much experience you have or what your knowledge is or how long you've been hanging around. I promise you, life can get so crazy and it can come out of nowhere. Pain and struggle and problems that you may have been the one that's supposed to have it all together and all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you're just like, man, it's it's just noise right now. It's just, it's just a useless story. Because I'm in a fog. And I can't even think clear. I don't know how. 
I'm going to get through. And they're, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Jesus is alive. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They could not grasp that he was alive. It's, it was a fairy tale. I want to talk to you just for a few moments here about overcoming that. How do you overcome the fairy tale? How do you get beyond when, when you're in that moment? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move quickly, so, so, so stay with me. For me to help you here, I have to go back from the 24th chapter of Luke. I have to go back two chapters. I have to go to the 22nd chapter. This is previous to all of those, uh, the crucifixion, all, the trial, all, all of that stuff. I have to go back there for a moment. And I, I want to show you something because Jesus, He... He told them before it ever happened. He tried to help them before it ever transpired. He tried to, to warn, prepare before it ever happened. And, and this, is the, this is the conversation. It's verse 24 of Luke 22. And there was also strife among them. If you think strife started in 2018, well, I just want to find a church where everybody gets along. Man, Jesus couldn't even do that with the ones He handpicked. How do you expect us to do that? I mean, He was perfection. He, he had it all together and He picked a devil. I mean, and, and He picked a bunch of people who were upset at one another about who was the most important. And I've been here the longest. I, this is my seed. I... Somebody shout amen. I heard someone say, if you're looking for a perfect church, if you find it, don't go there because you'll mess it up. You know, so if you find the perfect one, don't go because it won't be perfect anymore. He, he's, he's there and he's sitting with his disciples and he knows, he knows all this crucifixion and trial and death and all that stuff's fixing to happen. And they're saying, well, I'm the most important. I've been here the longest. He chose me. Well, you came because your brother said you ought to come. And he actually showed up at my job. And I've been, and you were the last one. And I think I ought to be the one that has a, you know, all the authority. And you need to listen to me. And that's my position. And I, I've been here the longest. And bless God, it was my so-and-so that paid for this chair. And I'll sit here till hell freezes over. And... <laughs> They were do they had strife amongst themselves. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? They were wanting the Lord to say, okay, you're the greatest and you're horrible. I love you. I hate you. I'm glad you're here, but I don't like you because I really like this group over here. That's what they were wanting. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Remember that kingdom deal? He said, they exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. This is two chapters earlier, and, he, and they're in the middle of all this stuff, and he's saying, you're not going to be like them. I, I want you to understand this. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. He said, if you really want recognition, then quit talking about what you deserve and what you should receive and how you ought to be looked at 
and start doing something because you realize how blessed and privileged you are to know what you know. He said, become a servant. If if you're the greatest, become the younger or work to become the least. Because that's what he turned this whole thing upside down in the middle of their conversation. For for whether he said, What is greater? He who's greater? He that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. So someone sitting at the table, you went out to eat yesterday. Are you better than the person that brought you the food? That's what he's talking about. You sit at the table and you think because they're serving me, you're better than them. You're greater than them. It's not he that sat at that meat. He's asking these questions. Do you think it's the person that sits at meat that's in the greater place? But I am among you as he that serveth. Then Jesus turns it on them and He said, now that you have that in your mind, let me show you something here. You guys are sitting at the table and I'm here, the God of glory that created everything and breathed life into your lungs. I'm the one serving you. Do you think you're greater than me? Then why sitting at the table? Why do you think that's better than who I am? So you think it's Title, position, seniority. You think it's all of that stuff. And he was saying, listen, you got you to gotta, you gotta think about this differently. I'm the servant. And this is my world. I'm here serving you. Wow. And, and then, he, then, he, then he has their attention like I have your attention right now. He said, this is what matters to me. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptation. He said, you know what? What matters to you is who's greatest and least, but what matters to me is that you're still here after all this stuff we've been through. After all these temptations and all these struggles and all these ups and downs, you're still here. You made it. You're with me. And, I, and he said, let me tell you something. I'm going to appoint you a kingdom. Here's that kingdom stuff. They were thinking, earthly, earthly. He said, I'm going to appoint you a kingdom. As my Father hath appointed unto me a kingdom, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He said, I have a place for you and I have a purpose for you and I have a future and a destiny for you, but it's not going to come about like you think it's going to come about. I am going to personally appoint those things to you. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He looks at one of the disciples and he said, Simon, Simon, in the middle of all this, I need to let you know something. Satan is after you. And he is literally going to take you and wring you out like a rag doll. We have a new puppy and it's so funny to watch her grab one of the toys and shake her head. And, just, and, and I love it. I, I just think this is hilarious. She's going to make herself dizzy and fall over and pass out. And I'm not calling Dr. Barry. I'm going to let her just stay there for a little while so we have five minutes of, of peace and quiet and calm. And she'll shake stuff. And, and, and he's saying, hey, hey, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He's going to attack your life, attack what you stand for, attack who you are, attack what you believe, and He's going to take you and sift you. In in those days, how they sifted wheat, it was not a passive thing. It it was a very aggressive, it it was violent, if you will. He's going to shake you, literally take you 
and wring you out. But notice what Jesus said. He said, I didn't pray that that wouldn't happen to you. I didn't pray and run the devil off your track and you never have to go through anything. He said, I just want you to know, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. In other words, and please don't, don't get upset with the Lord. Don't get upset with Him here. He didn't pray it wouldn't happen. He just prayed that you'd keep your faith through it. So all the times that you want God to spare you and don't let us go through this and deliver me and if you love me, I'd never have a struggle. If you love me, I'd never have a sickness. If you love me, I'd never be attacked. If God really loved us, if He really loved the world, there'll be no sin, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no problem. He said, what I prayed is when it comes that your faith in me would not fail. And when you're converted, he said, strengthen your brothers. When you, when you get through this, help them because they're going to be going through it too. And, and they're going to be facing things. That's why our testimonies are so important. When you hear people share with you, listen, I went through cancer. I went through heart disease. I went through the loss of a loved one. I went through bankruptcy. I went through abuse. I, whatever it was, whatever it is, you have a story when you come through it, to tell someone else, addiction doesn't have to own you. God can give you strength, and God can give you deliverance, and God can give you help. So when you tell people, you don't know who I am, and you don't know what I've been through, but can I tell you, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be where I am today. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. He gets all of the thanks. He prayed for me. He said, strengthen. Strengthen your brethren. And, and I love this. <laughs> and, it, and it's so typical, especially of this guy. But I got to admit, probably of me too. <laughs> me too. He said unto him, Lord, what are you talking about? Who in the world and eternity do you think you are? <laughs> he said, Lord, I... Listen to me. Look at me. Look down this table at me. Hey, you down there saying I'm going through. You listen to me. I am ready to go with you. I'm ready to go with you both into prison and death. I don't know all this other stuff you're talking about, but I know this. I'm by your side every step of the way. I'll go to prison with you. If you go to prison, I'll go to prison without you. I'll die. I'll die before I let them touch you. I'll die beside you. We'll fight together. To you and I, we're buds. We're going all the way. This is going to happen. You can count on me. Don't ever think that I won't be the one in your corner. <laughs> this, is, this is Peter saying these things. And Jesus, I mean, he's so cool. He said, Peter, <laughs> let me tell you something. I got something to explain to you. To Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. He said, the rooster will not even get up on the farm fence post and start clearing his 
He won't even get his throat cleared good before you. I think Jesus was from the south. I don't know, but anyway. He's like, Chickens are going to be. He said, you're going to deny me? I love it when you say you'll die and go to prison with me. But the truth is, you're going to sell me out so fast that before the sun comes up real good, it'll already be over. I mean, how, how demoralizing for people. <laughs> and how wonderful for all the other disciples. I imagine they were like, <laughs> I love it. Finally, somebody shut him up. <laughs> And here's this poor guy. He, Jesus is drug off to this mock trial and all of the fabrication and things that they were accusing him of that were not true. And Peter standing off at a distance. That You know that guy? That guy that said, I'll die with you. I'm going to prison with you. We're in this thing. Ah. He's like, no, I, me? I don't know that guy. I don't know him. Oh, yes, you know him. I think I saw you. No, no, it wasn't me. Might have been my twin. Wasn't me. <laughs> it was an avatar. It wasn't me. Somebody else. You know, everybody has their twin. It was. He was like, no, that's not me. And they said, well, wait a minute. Your speech betrays you. You sound like him. See, when you hang out with him, you start talking different. You start. You start looking like him and less like you. He said, you, you, you're one of his. You look like him. You. You talk like him. He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Not me. He's warming his hands by the fire. And Jesus is just a little ways away headed toward Calvary's hill. And this is the same guy that said, I'm there. Count me in. And then finally someone else. Oh, wait a minute. It, it is you. And he loses it. I mean, well, he was a fisherman. I don't I guess you could call him a sailor. Maybe he was in the Navy. He started talking like a sailor. <laughs> he cursed. He literally explodes. Just like Jesus said he would do. You will deny me three times. And, and, and okay, so now Jesus is crucified. He goes through the whole deal and he's one of those guys, remember we read about it? He's one of those guys standing there when they're saying, he's alive, he's alive. And Peter is overwhelmed with his denial, with his rejection, with the way he acted and the things he said. And, and, and he's like wanting to give up on everything because he sold the Lord out. And he turned coach so quickly. And he's there and these women are saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. It's not over. Things are going to get better. We saw angels. The angels said this to come to you. And when you read the text and some of the, uh, one of the other gospel writers, you'll find out that when they said to the women, go tell the disciples, they spe specified not only the disciples, go tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure you tell Peter this story. That's why when he heard it, he started running toward the tomb because he had to see it for himself because he knew he had failed and he had made such a mistake and he didn't know that he could ever get through it. But somehow, he had to overcome the fairy tale. 
And no matter where you are or what you've done or the way you feel right now, He loves you. He cares about you. And the first step to take in overcoming the fairy tale is to go see it for yourself. Go try it for yourself. People can tell you about His love. People can tell you about His healing. People can tell you about this relationship. People can tell you about how wonderful He is and what He'll do for your life. And if you're just hearing it, you can be like many other people that are sitting in churches and cathedrals and places, stadiums and arenas around this world. Today, many people are going to hear the same story that you're hearing about the resurrection. This world today, last night, throughout today, will be filled with people hearing the story of the resurrection but there will be many people that sit in those places that in their mind this is what they're thinking it's just a fairy tale it's just a fairy tale it's just a fairy tale he doesn't really love me like that he doesn't really know what all I've done or what I've said or the mistakes I've made and so there's no hope for me but yet at the same time there will be people all over this world today who say I need to hear the truth and somebody told me that he's alive and I've got to go see it for myself I want to know that he is alive I'm not being rude in any way but I will tell you this you've come too late to tell me he's not alive you've come too late to tell me that he isn't real you've come too late to tell me that it's just a fairy tale because his work has transpired in my life and the only reason I'm here today is because He is alive. He's alive. What, whatever you're going through, wherever you are right now, He will lift you from that place. He will strengthen you if you'll take the step toward Him. Just get up like Peter did and go to the place The Bible said that once he saw it, he began to wonder what's going to happen next. I see hope starting to rise in his life. What's going to transpire next? If this happened, then I know this isn't the end of the story for me. And so everything started changing. I, I, I will say this. I have hope in him today. And the reason I have hope in Him today is because this story of His resurrection is not a fairy tale. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17, Paul said, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. In other words, everything... As as Christians, we may believe, ascribe to, hold on to every principle of this book, every promise of this book, everything that you and I love about what we know of Him and the truths of His Word. Here's, Here's the bottom line. If He did not get up, then your your faith in this is vain. If he didn't get up, then nothing else in this is true. That's what Paul was saying. When people say, well, I can, I can believe some of the other stuff, but I can 
Rising from the dead, come on. Now, I like all that other stuff, but I can believe in some of that. But that, you know, it's really, if that didn't happen, Paul said, nothing, don't put your faith in nothing else because nothing else is true. The resurrection of the Lord is literally the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. And, and without it, we have no hope. But with it, we have hope in this life and in the life to come. Amen. 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 We have hope because of the resurrection. Our, our belief in all of this is not just based on some religious feeling or some unfounded. People say, oh, you're just emotional. It's just all feeling. There's no fact in all that. It's just feeling. If it was just in that, it feels pretty good, but I don't think I could last. Like many others. It's not just a feeling and it's not some unfounded idea that we've built our life on. But it's something solid, something true. It's not just a rumor. It's a historical fact. Tell your neighbor, say, it's a historical fact. It, and this historical fact has solid, solid evidence to support it. Okay? In the early part of last century, a group of lawyers met in England and they decided they would discuss, I read this account, they would discuss the biblical accounts of Jesus' resurrection. They would, they would uh, just, from their perspective and their research, look at the accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they wanted to see if, if, sufficient information was available to make a case. That they could come up with enough information that was sufficient to make a case that would hold up in the England, English court of law. So if this was like any other case or trial, that they could get enough evidence, gather enough stuff, that they could go into the English court of law and what they found would stand as valid and real on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when they completed their study, they published the results of their investigation and they concluded that Christ's resurrection was one of the most well-established facts of history. So take all of the history that you know and all of the history that has been recorded and everything that's been kept up with throughout uh, the, the, the time of, of man on this earth. You come up with everything historical that you can and we believe in a lot of stuff and we look back on a lot of stuff and, and, and we revere a lot of history and facts and things and their finding was this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was more established and as well established as any other historical fact. And they could literally take it into the court of law and prove it. Now, in his little book, Countdown, man, G.B. Hardy, he, he gave us some thoughts and thought-provoking questions about the resurrection. He said there are two requirements, two essential requirements. One... Has anyone cheated death and proved it? So, let's first see. Has anybody cheated death and proved it? 
And he said, second, is it available to me? Is that information and all of that available to me? And from that, he said, here is the complete record. Confucius, tomb, occupied. Buddha's tomb, occupied. Muhammad's tomb, occupied. Jesus' tomb, empty. He's alive. He's alive and lives forevermore. Argue as you will, but there is no point in following something that is dead. They said, why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. Overcome the fairy tale today and buy into the fact that that risen Savior loves you and no matter where you are, He will raise you up from that place and give you brand new life in Him if you give Him the opportunity to work in your life. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality. Countless lives have been changed by this fact and testified to this fact. And I know that many people in this building today will tell you, it's not a fable. Let's stand together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Somebody shout it with me. He's alive. Come on, one more time. He's alive. Are you glad that he's alive? I'm glad that he's alive. As you come to places in your present and in your future that seem to be overwhelming and off-putting and confusing and you're not sure how you're going to get through it. Please remember, He's alive. Go check for yourself. He's alive. Doesn't matter what's come to you or on you or what you're facing, you have a hope in Jesus Christ. And He will be with you through everything. And even if you feel like you failed or you've made mistakes or you've come up short, He still loves you. He didn't, he didn't cast Peter away because Peter made the mistake. He said, make sure you give Peter the message. I want him to know that I still love him and that there's hope and that there's a tomorrow and your mistakes do not have to define you and your yesterdays don't have to be your todays. You can live differently and everything can be great if you give me the opportunity to work in your life. He's alive. Amen. And because He lives... Growing up, growing up, they used to sing a lot of hymns in church. And one of the songs that I remember so vividly that we sang often was, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. <laughs> because He lives. I just, I just hope that in this day and the invitation that you accepted to be with us, however you found us. I just hope that you would know that we're not about trying to display perfection. But we're simply about letting people know Jesus Christ loves you. And it doesn't matter where you are or where you've been or what you're going through right now. Having Him in your life and a part of your life makes all of the difference in this world.
He'll strengthen you when you're down. He'll encourage you when you're overwhelmed. He'll draw beside you when you're lonely. He's that God. And He cares about you. And you're important. Not only to Him, but can I add this? You're important to us. And you're important to the people that stand around you and the folks that reached out to you. And no matter what life brings or what kind of political unrest is in our world and no matter what tomorrow holds, Jesus Christ will be with us every step of the way. And you can find comfort in Him. I want to say a prayer for you. and It's it's just normal for us, so I don't want you to feel uncomfortable, but it's normal for us to clap and sing and pray out loud and do all the stuff we do, but whatever whatever you're comfortable with, if you want to pray there silently, if you want to open your mouth and pray along with me, that's fine. I want you to feel comfortable in this moment. That whether it's coming from your heart or out of your mouth today, the Lord will hear your prayer. And if it's situations in your home or in your family or in your past that you're trying to, whatever it is, all you have to do today is give it to Him. Lord, here it is. I don't know how to get through it, but I'm trusting You to give me the strength to do it. I want to pray for You. Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for this service. Thank You for our time together. I'm asking You to move upon every person that stands here right now and You know where they are and You know what they face and You know what they're going through. And I'm just asking for you to hear their cry, hear their prayer today. If it's coming out of silent lips but speaking hard, or God, if it's coming out of mouth that's opened in request to you today, you know about every situation, you know about every heartache, every trial, every pain, over every overwhelming moment in God when hope and truth and life and possibility just sound like a fairy tale, God. I pray that right now someone would hear the message today that it's not a fairy tale. You are alive. You do love us. You will make a way for us. And you're coming back one day. And Lord, we want to be ready when that day comes. Bring strength to this congregation. Bring healing into every life. Bring comfort to every person. Hear the request of your people today. Draw near like only you can. And do the work that you have promised us, God. We'll give you the thanks. We'll give you the praise. We'll give you all of the glory for you're a prayer answering God. We thank you today. Here's our life. Here's our tomorrow. Here's our past. Here's everything that we are. We put it into your hands and we trust you. We love you. We want to follow you. I pray over every one of our guests, every regular attender, every member of this church. Let this Easter, this resurrection day be different than any other. Help us to just buy into, believe, sell out to the fact that you are alive. And because you were raised up, we will also be raised up. You were the first fruits of that, the first to taste of that. God, you haven't held that to yourself, but you also made it available for your people. And I thank you for that today. 
Thank you for this service. Thank you for those worshiping with us. Go with us today. Let your hand rest on us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen.